0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 318 of the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is your host, Madeline Victoria Moon, and today we're going to be talking about feminine longing. Oh, even saying feminine longing puts my body in this state of softness and openness. Oh, because it really is the deepest state that the feminine knows. It's the state that's the most natural for her, is this state of wanting to be filled, the state of wanting. So, that is what we are going to go into today. And I'm also going to give you a little bit. Of insight on my past week because I want to capture it while it's fresh. I don't think I'll be able to. I don't know if I'll want to return to this topic. Um, not the feminine longing, the the week I've had. I don't know if I will want to do a, a podcast on this months down the line. So I'm just going to capture it now while it's fresh. And before we go into that, I love doing this. I want to read a review of the week. This comes from. Bill, oh, sorry, Bliss PT. And she says, amazing insight on a variety of spiritual and new age topics with five stars. I love Mandy Moon's show. (laughs) Y'all, I get Mandy all the time. So Bliss PT, don't worry. People say Mandy all the time, but it's really funny. Uh, my name is Maddie. Anyways, I love Mandy Moon's show. She has great chemistry with all of her guests. I love that. Thank you. And you can tell she's really listening and curious about what they have to say. She provides interesting commentary and poses insightful questions to her guests in order to dig deeper. I love coming back every week to see what the next topic is. Thank you, Bliss PT. So appreciate you. Sending an episode to a friend, like your favorite episode, or leaving a review on iTunes—these are the two top ways to support the podcast. Really, every time you send a friend and say, "I loved this episode," I thought of you. You might love it, or you leave a five-star review. You are helping the show merely get more exposure. It's not like it's leading to more income. I don't get paid per person who listens to podcast. No, it's not how it works. Um, I simply get more exposure which means more people are being exposed to this message of of loving yourself and feminine masculine and polarity and intimacy and all the yummy things that I believe will make this world better so thank you Bliss PT for leaving this comment on the show all right so I'm talking about feminine longing today, purely from my heart space. There's no notes. And I did this with last week's show, and I believe the show before that. It's been really interesting. Um, I was talking to a friend who I've known for a few years now the other day on, on a Zoom call, and he asked me the question, what's next for you? And what came to me is, what's next for me is a an embodiment of flow and man i think i've said the word flow probably 5000 times in the last 5 years of this podcast we all hear flow we hear feminine flow flow like a river flow 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 and there is a very i would say there there's the understanding of flow where you intellectually grasp to go with the flow and not be so rigid and those are the surface level things we do such as plans need to change and you say okay and you go with the new plan and perhaps you ha- you get something in red rather than the color purple that you ordered on Amazon and okay maybe you go with the flow and you try red out or you just easily send it back without freaking out those are the actions of flow But then there is the embodiment of flow. And that edge for me, I've been looking at my body's, you know, The Body Keeps the Score. That's a a book. I've never read it, but I've had it recommended to me many times. But I, I understand what it's talking about, and I fully believe it. That The Body Keeps Score of the trauma it has experienced. And My body, through my lineage, through not just my own life, but all the lives before me that have led to my life, and also including my life, has led to a desire for control and structure. And structure is a healthy thing, but can become unhealthy when it causes havoc on the nervous systems around you. A lot of this work that I do and I teach is not only about making you a more fulfilled, loved, happy, intimate being, but also I want your presence when you walk into a room to calm the nervous systems of those around you. So when I think about the body keeps the score and how trauma lives in the body and the embodiment of flow my structure and my systems in my life, in my coaching business, in my world, in my calendar, sometimes they are so extreme that the nervous systems of people around me can feel a little uneasy because, well, what if they don't fit in that structure? You know, that causes them to breathe a little more shallowly. Is that a word? It is now. It causes them to breathe a little more shallowly where... They don't, they can't put words to it. They can't put words to what's happening, but something in their body feels a little uneasy. Think about a time in your life you've been around someone who maybe felt a little bit militant or who felt perfectionistic they had a structure, they wanted the structure to be followed maybe for a, a wedding or a bachelorette party or a business or a event you went to where if you were two minutes late you get kicked out or if you were talking you'd be humiliated uh, or teachers in class maybe in your high school bringing. What did that do to your nervous system? It most likely didn't tell your nervous system you are safe, it most likely taught your nervous system To be on edge. And that is essentially how I was raised, but not in the exact example I gave. Mine was more with unpredictability. Having a parent I never knew would be pleased with me or not pleased with me because there was no formula for it. I never knew if I was good or bad in their eyes, there was literally no formula so my body created structures and systems to ease my nervous system to feel safe and then i get older and i carry those structures and systems along with me in my body it's not something that i can put words to it and be like yeah this is how i live my life with lots of structure i don't even i couldn't even understand it or see it until now until i've gotten to this place where i've gone whoa, like I am so tuned in to the nervous systems of those around me and that's how I realize my impact on people is by having more attention on the people around me and how they feel with me. It's really interesting. So that's where I'm at these days of, of truly being the embodiment of flow. And what I was telling my friend on our call, also I'll give you some examples. It's kind of funny, but for me it's a big deal with my emails like not every single sentence starts with a capitalized letter like sometimes I'm just gonna write the sentences without capitalizing the first letter of the first word or maybe I'll do dot 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 instead of three dots or I'll take my time to respond or I'll respond quickly because I'm there at my computer so I'm not timing out my responses I'm not making sure the grammar is absolutely perfect I'm allowing more mess more mess because I also want my clients and those around me to allow more mess and, and realize they're still loved in the mess. So what's come up for me this week is, now we're kind of gliding into a new thing here, this, uh, this episode is really being channeled in the moment depending on what I feel is needed to be shared. So that is, you know, that is what I'm giving you permission to try out is a state of much more flow. And that means the, Im- the embodiment of it, like breathe deeper, allow your belly, your lower belly to expand in ways that you never allowed it to expand because you didn't want to feel big. So allow it to feel big and breathe and respond quickly or respond slowly, respond with capitalization or not, no capitalization with the right punctuation punctuation mark or not the right punctuation mark allow yourself to have more exclamation points if you never allowed yourself to do that like just give yourself room to be different and to change and to shift and to break the rules that the mentors before put in your head I was going through some notes that a mentor of mine gave me five years ago and they were so good So good. These notes were like, fuck your mentors. Stop living by what other people tell you to do. Just do what feels good. Do what feels right in your body. Like, so simple. But also, I can remember the time I wrote those notes down sitting in Bali being like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, fuck my mentors, but not truly knowing what that means till now when I'm nearly 30. I'm like, "Oh, fuck your mentors." Okay, that makes sense. Have your mentors and fuck your mentors, like take in the insight and then do what you want with it without making yourself wrong or without making them wrong. Like no one's ever fundamentally wrong. To so give yourself permission to throw some caution to the wind. Even if you're, sometimes we pay money. This is a huge thing. We pay money to our coaches not to get the right answer. We pay money to our coaches to get our right answer. And sometimes they need to say something that doesn't land with us in order for us to get our money's worth. If you have had a coach who has led you astray or given you insight you didn't like, they did their job Maybe it didn't, you didn't like it, especially at the time when you're putting that money into it, but they did their job. Even giving you insight that does not suit you, you would not have realized what does suit you if they hadn't had done that. It's not your coach's job to please you. It's for them to serve you. That's what they have to do is serve you no matter what. And also that teaches you your own responsibility because you are responsible for speaking up if something does not serve you. So even receiving insight from a teacher that doesn't serve you, one, you're learning by discovering what you don't resonate with, and then two, you're learning, should you choose to step up to the plate in this way, how to say, hey, that doesn't resonate with me. Can we pause? Which is very challenging for some women and some men to to cut someone off to like literally interrupt, to stop the flow of a conversation and actually take a stand for what you believe in or what you're confused about. That in itself is a coaching moment. The coaching does not just happen in what they say. Your teachers and your mentors, they are teaching you more about you. Every time you discover what you like and every time you discover what you don't like. And I don't think that's talked about nearly enough. I don't think we talk as teachers and mentors nearly enough like, hey, it's okay to disagree with what I say. And the structure around that would be, it's okay to disagree with what I say and speak up about it. Let's dive deeper into it. So so many gifts are within that. So many gifts are within speaking up and then unpacking what it is that feels good or feels not so good about something. And being seen in that, being witnessed for your teacher to, 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 for your teacher to be cut off by you and then her hold space for you as you go through, hey, that didn't feel right. That is so healing. Assuming this is a great teacher, they're going to sit and just love you, love you in your, in your disagreement. They're going to just sit and love you and say, yeah, tell me more. I love when you disagree with me. Tell me more. Hmm yeah, it's really healing. It's really healing. So this is where we're gliding into what's been going on for me this past week. Um, I did plant medicine on Monday, so like a week and a half ago by the time this episode airs. And I have done quite a lot of plant medicine this year, but this was a different type. And... (laughs) Um, I'm not sharing exactly what I did, going to keep that to myself, but it's a heart opening plant and I took multiple different types and oh my God, okay, I went into the fullest expression, honest to God, this was the fullest expression that like the absolute limit of what my feminine expression is, I have never in my life felt the amount of pleasure that I did that night, and I did not expect that. I thought this was going to be a very gentle thing, which is why I did it. Um, so, for anyone who's new here, I've done a, I've done about ten uh, ayahuasca ceremonies this year, which is a lot. And I have an interesting relationship with ayahuasca now because it's, I, I, feel, I feel complete. I feel complete, honestly, but I have a weird relationship where I, I keep going back into it. And I feel quite complete with doing ayahuasca. But when I heard about this opportunity to do a different type of plant that's much more gentle, I thought, well, that sounds kind of nice. Maybe I will do that. So I took this medicine in a small group and oh my god okay I was making energetic love to the moon and to the soil and I was feeling God penetrating every morsel of my being all of the work I have done in the past three years in tantra and yogic intimacy and spiritual intimacy It was like all of that, all of the intellect that has gone behind studying it and learning it, all the practice, all the practice of breath work and Tantra and feeling each other's heart space with eye contact, all of that, the years I have been doing that all accumulated and burst forth through my body in this one night. It was a massive obliteration of the feminine, an explosion of my heart. I could feel I could feel every single conscious masculine being in my body truly and I felt all the beauty of the feminine in my body I felt like my body was the container the vessel for for consciousness and love in its purest form and I started crawling like a kitty cat everywhere I went and I literally I can't can't say literally, I metaphorically became this jungle cat. And my hair got humid and hot. I was so sweaty. I was sweating so much that it turned into these wavy, thick dreads. And so here I am, this jungle cat, and I've got these blonde dreads in my hair. Truly. I mean, they were knots, obviously, but in my mind's eye, they were definitely dreads. And I went to the bathroom and I saw myself in the mirror and I saw a jungle cat lady. Like, maybe not cat. We can take away that word. I saw a jungle lady. I looked like the crone. You know, there's the maiden, the mother, the crone, the three stages of being a woman. I saw myself as the crone, but I saw myself as a crone who went into the jungle and never came out with my knotted hair. I saw an old face. I saw the part of me that is, that is Panther, that is Jaguar and also crone. And, (laughs) I was feeling in that state, the part of me who was also Magdalena. I felt my Mary Magdalene. I started walking on all fours like the cat, but then I turned into Mary Magdalene when I came across feet. I just saw the feet and the holiest of holy energies coming out of these beautiful feet and praising the feet and I was feeling my devotional spirit so all these archetypes that I love and I practice in my waking days I was feeling in this medicine oh my gosh and so much more like my my whole body was shivering and open and I was feeling love pulse through me I was feeling like my true core essence which is I am free I am open. Love is free. I I felt the part of me that loves everybody, everything, all the time. And the truth that it never needs to end. That I never have to stop loving. That I never have to only love one person. And I can love people, as many people as I want for the rest of my life, the rest of my days. Love is always free. And I touch the core of the truth that it has never been In my life that I've been craving to receive love and I'm desperate for love, that's never been the truth, even though that's what I thought it was, is that I've always been so hungry for love to come my way. What I realized that night was that, oh my God, it's actually the opposite. It's that I am made to constantly give love and I just got confused. (laughs) I thought that it was that I was waiting to receive it and it's actually that I was just waiting to finally give myself permission to constantly give it. Give it, give it, give it, give it, give it, give it, give it. That is why I'm here. Not to give it to one person, to give it to every person. Especially every person that I love, that I romantically love. I want to romantically love as many as I want. And that's where I'm at right now. And that was a huge, huge ceremony for me. Um, and then I will say that the next day was one of the hardest days of my life. Like physically speaking. And and there was a lot of emotionally speaking too. I've had harder emotional days, but it was at least in the last couple of years the hardest couple of days I have experienced. Um, I believe my body was not ready for that. <laughs> um, it was not trained properly for that moment. It was a lot. And there was a lot of expression, a lot of embodiment. Every It was, to me, the way that I felt, the way I could describe it is that everything I visualized in ayahuasca, because when you do ayahuasca, you're on like a mattress. The only times you really get up is for some movement, a little movement maybe, and purging. But other than that, you're pretty stationary on your bed. It's hard to move, at least when you're getting started, Um so you see a lot of things if you're a visualization person, and I am. So I would see a lot of things when I was on ayahuasca. I would see myself digging my fingers in the soil. I would see myself as the jungle cat woman. I would see myself as the devotional wife, Mary Magdalene. I would see all these things. And with this kind of medicine, you're moving, you're grooving, you're, you're walking around. So I finally got to take all 10 ceremonies of ayahuasca, seeing things, and put it into movement put it into moving things, to walking, talking, touching feet, becoming the cat, like digging my fingers in the soil, feeling the part of me that is married to the moon, who is married to God, God's bride. Like I felt all of that and then was immensely spent. I think I, I burst some nervous system routes, um, I I ejected from my body a couple times the next day I fainted twice it was scary I'm not going to lie it was very scary and I wasn't prepared there were like logistical things of getting home and then getting food and then walking the dog all of that that um I needed to have set up in advance but I thought it was a gentle ceremony so I didn't have those things set up So the next day, it was really hard. I I was seeing colors that weren't there. I was hearing things that weren't there. I was, I could not stand up without falling down. I was relying on people completely, completely. I have never been so helpless ever, except for the times I was on ayahuasca. But even then, like once the ceremony was done, it was done. This lasted at least five days after the ceremony, five days after. So it has been very hard today, to be honest with you is, um, let's see, it's been, it's, it's seven days now. I believe today's the first day I actually feel completely back in my body. I've taken tons of herbs and supplements and juices and tinctures and, um, using things to get my serotonin back up. So it's been a wild, wild, wild week. And for now, I feel very complete with plant medicine. Um, it, it's, it's so hard because when you're feeling terrible, you're like, yeah, I'm never going to do this again. But whenever you feel better, you're like, okay, yeah, I could do it again. So even talking about this, I feel a little disconnected from how hard it was, but it was, I remember crawling on the floor, trying to go to the bathroom and, and feeling the part of me that was, that was deeply, deeply, deeply humbled. And that's what plant medicine always does. It humbles. And I had so many humbling experiences on ayahuasca that, that shook me to my core, to be honest, that, that made me crave nothingness, wanted to go to sleep and not wake up because the amount of suffering I was feeling in the ayahuasca was so deep. But then on the other side of the suffering was grace. It was lightness. It was love. It was Mary Magdalene. It was Jesus. It was it was Mary Magdalene holding Jesus after the suffering. It's being held and feeling safe and feeling opened. And that is the arc that I find plant medicine keeps bringing me into is immense suffering and immense grace. And and it's beautiful. And it really comes down to if it's part of your path and of your journey to learn that arc through that way. And everyone's experience is different. From what I have seen, my level of suffering and pain that comes with plant medicine is further than other people's, which makes me very curious. But I have, I have, um, I go deep, deep, deep into the darkness whenever I do any kind of plant medicine. Whereas I know a lot of people who stay in the light, like they really stay in the light. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's because of the work that I do around shadow work, but I'm really not egging it on. I'm really not asking for it. It just happens. And Right now, I feel complete with plant medicine for, for the time being. Um, I've done it. I've done it. I've done it really deep. And I want to be gentle and kind to my body. And the level of suffering I've experienced has been so intense, especially the past five days after the ceremony. It was the hardest. Uh, it was immensely painful. Yeah. I Physically, energetically, I didn't feel like I was all back in my body. It was a little scary, but here I am. I'm back. I I feel my body. I'm holding my heart right now. I just realized I've been doing this like almost the whole podcast. I'm holding my heart. It's protected. I'm with myself. I'm telling myself that I'm here. And that journey made me realize the level of pleasure and, and, and feminine that is available in my body. And for that, wow, I would not take that back for the world. And it's deep. And so that's what, you know, this whole podcast, I was planning to go on to feminine longing, but maybe it's just going to be a mosh of all the things. This does glide into feminine longing, though, because this past year, I have realized there's a couple things here around feminine longing. So the first thing that I'll say is that because the feminine is energy. In all that she does, she is chaotic in it. She wants more. She can have the best sex of her life and she wants more. She can have the best cry of her life and she wants more. She can say everything she needs to say about that thing that went wrong at work today and she still doesn't feel like she fully explained it. More, 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 up, down, left, right, all around, energy, tsunami, jungle cat. Like, it's all the things. She just wants to go more. She's like a, one of my teachers, John Wineland, says that the feminine is a black hole for something. Each woman who is primarily a feminine being is a black hole for something. And, um, you know, maybe that means she's a black hole for for love. She's a black hole for attention, She's a black hole for drama. She's a black hole for, oh, no, I'm saying black hole, bottomless pit. Sorry, that's that's what I mean. Bottomless pit. Same thing in my head. Bottomless pit. Um, and it's a good inquiry for you if you're a feminine being. Is what is your bottomless pit? What's your thing? And, and that's step one, is fully acknowledging and recognizing that you are a bottomless pit, being a feminine creature, Because if you don't first just own that, you're going to constantly be having or asking someone else to own that for you. So I had this beautiful uh, post put up on my Facebook the other day, and I'm going to read it. So I asked men, I asked the masculine beings on my Facebook what it feels like to them whenever a feminine being asks for his help. Because in my group coaching program, the Sisu Society, I asked the women, do you ask for help? Or what do you ask for? What do you have a hard time asking for? And so many of them said, I have a hard time asking for attention and affection, for money in my business, for more, more quality time together. And then I asked the men on my Facebook, what does it feel like when a woman asks for something? And the comments, oh my gosh. Let's see. Let's just read a few it feels amazing to be of service to the world and our partner like we have a purpose and a meaning when asked to assist it feels juicy and delicious to receive her trust especially when she asks with humility innocence and confidence for something she genuinely wants let's see grateful um I feel honored. My heart fills with gratitude and I get a rush of energy from knowing that I am trusted and appreciated. You're giving, y'all, you're giving the masculine so much when you give him your trust. When he is deemed worthy enough as someone that you come to as a queen, a queen asking for help, wow, that makes him feel like a king. And so this one comment in particular, this is from my friend Soma Miller, who also does men's work. He wrote, empowering and satisfying. And I thought he'd be a great person to go a little bit deeper with. So he says it's empowering and satisfying when a woman asks for his help. And I said, hmm, and if you're open for another question, what kind of request normally leaves you feeling disempowered and burdened? How is it asked? And he said, I would say when there's a hidden expectation that I should do something, or this is the key, or when I'm filling a deeper void in her that she's responsible to fill. Oh. <sighs> Nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. So here's the the feminine longing. One, as a a feminine being, even if you look at, I'm going to say women, you know, this this comes with the caveat that not every single woman identifies with being more in the feminine, but I need to start getting a little more specific. Because a lot of times when I say the feminine, I'm talking about women who are primarily in the feminine. So I'm just going to put that out there now so you know. Women, even looking at our bodies, we have holes in them that are meant to be filled. Physically speaking, the embodiment of a female body is to be filled. The emb- Literally, what, what, what happens is we get filled. So it's no surprise that energetically we're looking to be filled. Energetically, we have these sacred holes Energetically, we have these sacred spaces that can be filled, and we get to choose what they are filled with. So what Soma said here is that he feels burdened when there is a hidden expectation that he is supposed to fill a deeper void that she is responsible to fill. So our feminine longing, oh God, it's so beautiful, Our feminine longing is so sacred. It's our sacred hole. It's our sacred space. And we decide what it is filled with. That comes with the truth that you're never going to feel absolutely filled. And that's what your lifelong practice is should you choose to take it on. I just led a practice in the Sisu Society that is my absolute number one favorite practice around this it is the practice that has led me to be able to only date men who truly inspire me or it is the practice that has allowed me to give love unconditionally over and over and over and over and over just give love be love without receiving anything tangible in return it is the practice that has healed my codependency Truly, I don't need anything from anybody, which is why dating and relationships and loving people is so fun and so open because I don't need anything. It's the practice that on Monday night when I did that plant medicine ceremony truly gave me the experience of making love to the moon and the stars and the sky and God and feeling like God's bride. So I led this practice. It's about, I think it was about 40 minutes and, oh my God, the comments on this one were like, oh my gosh, I've never in my life felt all my chakras open. I've never felt God inside my body. I've never felt filled before until now. It is a powerful practice when done regularly. And this practice, it's about God coming in and filling you and and not just filling your sacred holes, God coming in and filling and touching penetrating with his love and consciousness, your emotions, what's there, your stuckness, your resistance, your anger, your guilt, your fear. It's bringing consciousness to what's present that maybe you shame or shut down. So perhaps you feel like you're a needy being. And one of those sacred holes that you want to, to have filled by other is your neediness. Because if someone feels it, you'll stop feeling it, right? You date someone on Bumble, things are going really well, and then he stops getting back to your text as quickly as you want. And all of a sudden, you start feeling your neediness. Like you, you want them to respond faster. You're feeling your neediness. Ew, you don't like it. Mm, feels uncomfortable. I don't like this. I don't like this. So perhaps you either say, never mind, we're not a good fit. Bye. Or perhaps you say, hey, where are you? Hello? Question mark. Or perhaps you say nothing at all, but you're just sitting there stewing. What's happening there is you're touching the super, super tender, sweet part of your heart that just wants more love. Really, that's what it is. You just want more love. And and maybe it's bringing up even more. It's bringing up your ex-boyfriend who was an avoidant and you felt your anxious attachment style kick in and it's not your fault. You know, you're ending up with avoidance, and it actually does really hurt, and it is traumatic. So this practice of feeling the feminine longing is about putting your longing first. So put the complaint to the side. Maybe the complaint in this example I just give is he doesn't get back to me quick enough, which is totally mine. Oh my god, I, I oh, so funny. I remember at a recent John Wineland workshop, we raised our hand about something. He asked something like, what's your main complaint for men? And I just yelled out. I was like, get back to my (laughs) texts because I have a thing with that. I don't like, you know, I don't like when I don't feel um, respected or responded to quickly. And you know what the truth is? There's a couple truths here. The truth is that I'm actually on to something here. My oracle, the part of me that's really wise, is sensing a lack of consciousness in the masculine. It's true. It's true. Every time that your heart sinks a little because he's not getting back to you, that part of you is wise. She's sensing something spot on. She is sensing something. That would make that man more conscious because if you're feeling it, then another woman's feeling it, then another woman's feeling it. Maybe his daughter feels it. Maybe his ex-wife feels it. You're not crazy. So you're longing for something, which is normally underneath the complaint of something, is onto something smart. And we also have to do our work to heal that shit, right? So we can allow on one hand that to be truth. Mm, I'm sensing something pretty spot on here he's not very conscious in how he communicates and it's our responsibility to feel our own feelings about it it's true that you're at oracle sensing something and it's true that you are feeling your own individual longing and you're responsible to fill that yourself So if you're in the Sisu Society, then you would do that practice that I taught. If you're not in it, join us. Hello, it's amazing group coaching program. Maddymoon.com forward slash Sisu Dash Society. So you'll do that practice where you actually feel God fill you. You will feel God come in and touch the part of you that's yearning, touch the part of you that's hurt, that's in grief. And this brings up a lot. That's something I really I want to mention that feminine longing is not always skipping through a field with joy and smiles. <laughs> feminine longing is in your bed crying in the fetal position because you miss him. You miss dad, you miss mom, you miss 3 years ago how things were. You miss Grocery shopping together with that partner. You miss your dog. Feminine longing often is about missing. And then it's about allowing yourself to miss. It's going deeper into the missing. It's going deeper into the the yearning, the longing. And then once you touch that fully, it leads to more ecstatic states of longing. Then you feel the ethereal realm. Once you get through the human earthly realm of I miss that memory, I miss that person, I miss the way things used to be. You touch that fully. You fully allow yourself to feel that. Then you reach the ethereal. And when you reach the ethereal, you realize, oh, everything is okay, though. And I just long. I just miss. And I'm made to miss. I'm made to long. And maybe, perhaps, even that longing feels good. Maybe perhaps once you go deep enough into the earthly human longing, you start to feel the part of you that is an angel longing for God. You feel the part of you that is, a, that is Mary Magdalene longing for Jesus on how beautiful that is, how sacred that is. You feel the part of you that is the sun longing for the moon. Like You, be, you become poetry in your longing. Your capacity to do this To actually be with your longing is the capacity for you to be with the right match someday. Or even if it's the partner you're with, to have the right kind of love that you want. The kind of love that is open and free. Your capacity to be with your own longing is your capacity to move past codependency. I'm going to say that again. Your capacity to be in that longing determines your capacity to move above and beyond codependency, to be truly free in love, to be able to give love unconditionally, to be unconditionally friendly. But you must be with this longing. You must feel the part of you always wanting to be filled and notice how often she's there. Always. She's always there. And feel that without having a quick fix. I have a teacher. Her name's Kendra. I've mentioned her a million times. You've probably heard me mention her. She does a thing called the no man diet where she guides women through this journey to cleanse themselves from all masculine, even friends. No masculine at all. No men at all. No men. So when you finally take away all the men and you notice your deep, 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 deep desire to have men and you have no quick fixes, what do you got to do? You have to feel it. You go through a treacherous period of feeling your deep longing, your constant longing over and over and over, and you have no way to quickly fix it, to reach for a snack. There's nothing. You are the snack, and going to God becomes your practice, giving it to God, saying God I want men. I I feel lonely. I feel empty. I feel worthless. I feel like nothing. I feel like shit. I feel pain. You start to feel all the things that you didn't truly feel before because you had those quick fixes. It leaves you with no other option but to feel it, to own it. That way when you're in relationship, and things are good, and you still feel that longing, you're not putting it on him to, to fill it. You know that it's your responsibility. It's part of your dharma on this planet as a woman is to be part of the team yearning. We're part of that. And the masculine has men, and the masculine have their own version of, of this. They yearn for to be free from burden, we're yearning for more love and they're yearning to be free from burden. And we have that too as well. So I, def- Women definitely do, for sure. The, the feminine, pure feminine energy just wants to dance around a fire and, and have sex and eat chocolate and, and play and laugh and do nothing. So definitely women feel that burden just in a different way, in a different way than the masculine feels it. But... There's still a yearning for, for both parties. Everyone has this yearning. But for women, ours is really tender, really tender, really sweet, really, really exquisite. And how I see myself these days is is the bride to God. I mean, I truly, uh, that's one of my favorite archetypes to play with right now. It's not even an archetype. That's one of my, my favorite roles It's just to see myself as a bride to God. If I was, I am, but if I was God's bride, and like God is out there doing God things, I'm like, oh, I want God. I want God. Oh my God, I want God, I want God. Like I feel it. I feel it in my body. And you can use whatever word. You could say you want the divine. You want um, Shiva. You want statue of david whatever serves you i love god because god to me is the the word that wakes wakes people the fuck up and that's what god is it's powerful but i've also done a lot of work uh, around healing my patriarchal conservative christian views on god which are way out of date and don't even come close to what like I have sex with God. (laughs) Like that's, that's where me and God are at. Now we have practices where we have sex together and that's one of the deepest practices I've done is actually allowing God into my body and holding eye contact and it being sacred and it being Tantra and it being true, beautiful love. Like that is the highest realm of yearning is to be so devoted to God That you let your entire being, your entire vessel be one big throbbing open portal for yearning. Because once you have tasted God, you have touched intimacy in such a deep way, you can't ever go back to a life without yearning. You're always going to feel it. Always. So, (laughs) on that note... (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode on feminine longing and yearning. I know I'll go deeper into this more and more. If you have any follow-up questions, please reach out on Instagram or email or on the show notes for this episode, Maddiemoon.com. This is episode 318 that you have been listening to. We would love to see you in the Sisu Society. This is my group coaching program. You receive two live calls where we do embodiment practices together, Q&A. There's teachings. You can sign up for that at mattymooncom forward slash CSU-society. And if you want to do coaching with me, I have six month or twelve-month coaching available. You can reach out about that, Mattymoon.com forward slash coaching or email me. I have a couple spots open right now. We could see if we are a fit. And that's all I have to share today. I hope you loved this episode. Please send it to a friend if you think that it would serve them. And I will see you next week for another episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast.